0: Let the truck! You are listening to What the Truck?
1: Are you ready to truck it? Welcome to Monday. Welcome to your Dooner with Dooner. Before we get into the hellscape that is trucking, let's look at the good side. Let's look at the good side of the world. I showed Big Brig Bruce's. Little big rig that he made for his son a few episodes ago. A lot of people have been asking about it, if they could see some more action out of it. So, hey, it's Monday. Take a look. Here it is rolling down the street.
2: All right, I think we're good to go. What we got for you? Ooh, what's that? What is that? Is that a cab over? Ooh, you already know what you're doing. Get in.
1: He's even got his own trailer. For
2: <laughs> he remembers. Very good drive. Here we go.
1: Let's nice go. Okay, here's the thing though. When you watch him drive this, look at where the pedals are. This is for this is for dad. This is not for the kid. It's still fun to ride along in. I'm still trying to figure out if he has said how long this took to make. And how much this cost to I make?
2: I all of your ideas. I'm super excited to have this thing and for Gunner to enjoy it, and for us too. It's gonna to be cool,
1: guys. Yeah, for you too. I know. Let's say you don't have the time to make something like that. You're not as handy. Just go over to Tractor Supply in Cleveland. Will Jones sent me this. He was in the store and he said, "Look, you can get your kid their own E Cascadia. Only 379 bucks. Probably a little bit cheaper than that other vehicle." By the way, over the weekend, a couple other good things. You're the phenomenal story of uh, Oliver Anthony's Rich Men, North of Richmond. This song he recorded a week ago. Nobody had heard of this guy. I mean, maybe in Virginia they had, but he definitely wasn't sort of like this pop culture, social media, Twitter sensation that he was. Video takes off on Friday. By Saturday, this song is number one on iTunes. He's got three other ones on there. I think he has four now. He's on the Spotify charts too. Over six million plays on YouTube song's being a hit, man. It's resonating with some people. Hitting them right in the feels. One of those people is Ben Tashurgi. He has his own version of that song. Let's take a listen. Big
3: broken bone and Britain. Lord knows they just want total control. want you all night. Wanna call you at noon. I pick you alone. I'll deliver it soon. Dollar come find some Reconfines in
1: Yeah, he doesn't have the same voice as uh, Oliver, but he did a pretty good job there. All right, now here all the bad news, and the rest of this episode is going to happen. Here's the number of the day. Um, I don't have the chart because I just looked at this, but thought it was worth sharing. Diesel, truck stop, actual price per gallon, right now $4.33. And I wish I had the chart. I'll show it Wednesday. But it really started taking off right around the 24th of July, and it's been just a hockey stick going upwards ever since. Bad time for it to happen, especially with heating fuel season coming up. We've told you all about it. On today's studio, though, I'm joined in the studio by Average Express, Kent Williams, to talk about the state of LTL in a post-Yellow world. Who is benefiting? Who is feeling the pain now that that mega carrier has gone under? Mothership's Aaron Pecky's here. He's been helping LTL carriers stay above water for the past few years. We'll find out how he is handling a tidal wave of LTL volume that yellow has left in its wake. Remember, just in case... You may not be the only one. As shippers are shifting back to just in time, Convoy is here with a new service. Um, We're going to hear all about it from Mitch Violet. How does it work? What is this new just in time? Do drivers like it? Do shippers like it? I don't know, but we will learn soon. Markel McLeod, he's got a family-run trucking company, and we're going to find out how the small guys are staying afloat in this market today. Plus, forgetting forklifts, an accident on Metallica's tour, why trains hit trucks, a Cybertruck on a Tesla Semi, and what you need to know about what's inside your truck. Let's tip the band, we'll start getting into things here. You may think of AIT Worldwide Logistics as an average U.S. forwarder, but in the past decade, they've evolved to become a global logistics powerhouse. Today, AIT is customizing supply chain solutions for multinational Fortune 500 companies shipping between Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and North America. Despite the company's exponential growth, they are still the experts when it comes to creating tailored plans that fulfill your supply chain requirements. Find out how your business can benefit from logistics pros at aitworldwide.com but right now let's talk to senior director product and engineering at Convoy it's Mitch Violet what's up Mitch gotta unmute Mitch there I we go un- there we go sorry about that I'm doing well how are you it's all good man where are you are you're a Seattle guy aren't you
4: I'm a Seattle guy. I'm camping out in Montana at the moment. Uh, I got a family farm back here. So I've been helping out. I drove a little truck, you know, so uh, doing that for a little bit. But uh, yeah, based in Seattle. So my, uh,
1: lately I've been hearing everybody's in Montana. Is it worth checking out?
4: It's, it's beautiful. Can't complain.
1: Well, you got there just in time, then, before everyone found out about it. Talk a little bit about this. I remember during the pandemic, Mitch, everyone was like, oh, it's going to be just in case now. Shippers are going to have stock on hand. And then we had the big issue where freight volumes plummeted, people had too much stock, and now it's like uh, we really only know how to run just in time. Well, where does Convoy play into this? What's this new service?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, excited to talk to you about it. So, we all know the disruption that the pandemic caused and the just in case, as you mentioned, it's like, hey, we don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, next week, et cetera. So let's make sure we have have that just in case inventory. So, uh, but over the last couple of years, we've seen things start to, or last year, we've seen things start to normalize. Shippers are getting rid of that excess inventory and moving back to be more lean, right? Manage that a little closer to the belt. Uh, and so we've been working with a handful of shippers across know the automotive industry, the CPG industry, Uh, we're hearing from them that they want to get more back to that just-in-time phase, right? They've had it before. Maybe it wasn't working quite as like they wanted. Um, So they, they reached out and we've been working with them to figure out how do we leverage technology to get them back there, but not just in the traditional, fairly rigid sense of like, if it's working to the production schedule, great, but any disruption causes problems. We want to give that flexibility on top of it. Um, and allow them to, to meet the demand spikes that you know may, may surprise them or, or change to production schedule that we know are not completely out of the supply chain yet.
1: So how does it work? How is it different than any other service? What makes this unique? Yeah, so uh, first
4: and foremost, we have a 97% app use across our carrier base, uh, and that is, is kind of a secret sauce in order for us to build out different technology that a lot of others are not able to do. So with that, we work directly with the shipper, We've been to a number of facilities across these uh, shippers that I've talked about, worked with their operations team, talked with carriers. And what we do is we, we build out specific app workflows for that shipper or even for that facility. We understand the sequencing of information that is necessary, the data that is needed, when it's needed, uh, and we want to set the carrier up for success. That is important, right? They are the ones that really make this whole thing hum. And so by leveraging the app and the app use, we build them the workflows that help them be successful, getting the shipper what they need, uh, and, and making sure that they're facilities and operations are running smoothly.
1: So what qualifies as a just-in-time shipment? So just-in-time shipment
4: uh, is typically where you have a factory that is running to a production schedule, where having inventory too early will get in the way and cause problems, and having inventory too late will typically cause the manufacturing line to shut down. We also work with uh, CPG shippers and others that deliver to big box stores that have fines, right, that just in time for them so that they have the inventory on hand for for their their customers. So those are kind of the two buckets that that fall into the category.
1: Interesting. So what can go wrong in just in time and, and how does like a software solution like this help enhance my business if I'm a shipper and help prevent problems that could go if there wasn't such oversight under a new product category?
4: Yeah. So, you know, back in my early days, I worked at Boeing and were responsible for building out the manufacturing line for the 787. And the, the two big things that were problematic is when you got a bunch of inventory too soon, there was nowhere to put it on the factory floor. You were leveraging that space on the factory floor to the max in order to keep your manufacturing and production lines running smoothly. So inventory too soon is problem one. And then obviously not getting in time, having to shut down the line uh, causes people to wait around and it's very expensive. So those are the two problems uh, that we really go for. Uh, and then working with the shipper along that production schedule, we know that the flexibility is necessary um, when things do change. So how do we leverage the technology to proactively identify issues? So we can, you know, sort of ML and AI to identify where a he carry is through our our app use. We're able to identify on the ground issues and use that to proactively communicate with the shipper and work through issues, as well as um, uh, working with them when, when their plans change. So if we expect to get there at 8am, but they're like, Hey, we've had a problem. It's not getting there until 9:10. our connectedness across our technology, our carriers and operations allows us to work with the carrier to make sure that we're, um, still servicing the shipper per their needs of that production schedule.
1: We have a little pushback from a driver in the comments. I think he wants to just know more about the driver experience. Cause he said, not yeah. sure how many drivers will take upon these loads. Maybe if they are 20 to 50 miles long, um, I don't anything more I'm not sure what happens if you pop a tire. So in, in terms of this this comment by the driver here, how does it work from their experience?
4: Yeah, so from their experience, so when they go into the app to even look for loads, they'll see what these see that there's uh, indication that these loads exist. So what the requirements are, what we're asking the carriers to do in order to keep that shipper running. So they know from the start the expectations and they're set up for success. We obviously understand that things happen on the road. And from there, it's all about being proactive and being able to solve those issues, work with the carrier, work with the shipper uh, to identify best ways to resolve those issues. So if that does mean in that instance, a pop tire, we'll work to see if we have other carriers nearby to potentially help out. If fall back and there is an expense to go to an expedited carrier, we will, we will take that on as convoy um, to ensure that we're, we're um, getting the load there for that shipper.
1: Interesting. How was this developed? You're on you're on product over there. What what made this all start coming together? Was it just user demand, and it was like, okay, this is clearly a category? How do you develop something like this from the ground up?
4: Yeah, no, great question. So, uh, yeah, I'm here speaking on behalf of you know a, a ton of people that have been involved in this. But really, where this came from is you know working with these shippers, uh, you know specifically the automotive ones over the last year. We just noticed that something needed to change. So we did a number of uh, you know, factory floor visits, understanding what they needed, talk with their ops team. How is the sequence of information uh, needed in order to make them successful from understanding when the load's going to show to the check-in process to the information that's needed on trailer, BOLs, et cetera, whatever that facility uh, may need. We work with them to identify that process, and then we turn that into technology through the app build out an app workflow so that the carrier uh, understands and, and is guided seamlessly and simply through a workflow in order to help solve those problems. Mitch, how do people learn more? Yeah, if you want to learn more, uh, you can go to convoy.com slash blog. There is a, a big blog post on it going in more detail, talking about the potential savings, uh, how we how we, how we we did it and how we approached it, uh, and then happy to, to chat more.
1: Th- hey, thank you so much for your time, Mitch. Go uh, Go enjoy Montana, man. I will. Thank you very much. Thanks, tuner. Take it easy. All right, everybody. Meanwhile. What do we got here? We got I a don't Tesla Semi.
2: Mostly it, a Plaid. I think of the Plaid's were big like big the
1: higher end too. models. You got a Tesla Semi pulling a Cybertruck. Can't <laughs> <sighs> I actually I canceled my Cybertruck pre-order about three weeks ago. I did. You know, it's been taking so long. My kids are six and eight, about to be seven and nine. We got two labs and how uh, to get the minivan when it comes to <laughs> get the minivan technology can yeah. introduce yourself welcome to the studio
5: I uh, appreciate it this. It. it's great to be here I love your show um I'm Kent Williams. I'm the Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Averitt Express. And I have been with the company 38 years, so I guess that makes me, excuse me, 36 years. I guess that makes me a lifer, though. So <laughs> just, j- just drove down this morning for just an hour and a half down uh, down the Cumberland Plateau. A beautiful drive to,
1: to to here in Chattanooga. You are another Tennessee company, right? You're over in is it, yeah. it, Cokeville. Ten- I'm, I'm a yeah. mass guy, so I'm just kind of okay. learning right. the lay of the land. But I, I've been here like four years now, so I don't have many excuses. But one thing I have learned is everything is like... 90 minutes to two hours from Chattanooga. Chattanooga's in a good location, <laughs>
5: no doubt about it. So. so
1: tell us a little bit, first of all, what's good at Averitt Express? There was uh, <clears throat> because something I know about you is back in the day, your lineage extends all the way back, a long time in LTL, all the way back to Yellow. You were a Yellow employee. Yeah, I, I
5: was. Yeah, Yellow, that's where I got my start. Uh, they, they actually hired me straight out of Auburn University's transportation program and with Yellow about two and a half years. And I moved around several locations. They finally said, hey, we want you to be the uh, branch manager, terminal manager. And I said, great. And they said, it's a little town called Cookville, Tennessee. i so said, never heard of it, so off I went. And uh, in those days, Cookville, I, I thought I'd moved to Mayberry RFD. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, uh, obviously it's Averett's home office, so one thing led to another. I started seeing those guys around. and. Um, I, just, I just I could just tell they were really small didn't have two nickels to rub together but I said these guys are going somewhere this is lightning in a bottle and here I am so but for me it, it is sad seeing you know the demise of yellow because that was where I got my start and um, I had a lot of friends there obviously a lot of them have, have since retired and moved on but um, sad time in the industry but uh, you know the, those of us that are left here we got to make sure we provide customers with solutions and 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 uh, have the capacity available and, and and move on from here but I, but i do feel for the people i i uh, i just hard to imagine folks there a, a long
1: time and all of a sudden they wake up one day and don't have a job so
0: thirty thousand is a lot and, and yeah, the, yeah, i mean the yeah. only
1: saving grace at least this is was wasn't a situation like we hear with some carriers where the drivers are stuck out on the road, this right. happens over oh, yeah, the weekend. Yeah, Fuel yeah, cards get yeah, you see yeah, them at Greyhound buses that, with their blood. Yeah. That's tough. Well, what is has what has this done to the LTL market? It's something that we everyone out there is curious <clears throat> about. We've all been curious how how it's developed. And we even heard runoff effects of some carriers not picking up from completely other places not related to Yellow simply because they need to handle the volume and their networks are the way they are.
5: Right. It, there's no question. It's been a been a surge. We've probably seen. Uh, Gosh, upwards they're probably sneak up about 2,000 additional shipments a day, um, which is notable, something we feel, but we've remained committed. We're going to take care of our existing customers first. We're certainly not going to bring, not going to get over our skis and bring on any business that we can't, we can't service properly. Fortunately, our operations team, and I believe they're the best in the business, I'm admittedly biased, um, they've done a really good job of building in the flexibility so that when things like this happen, whether it's a weather event, carrier going out of business, just economic surge, whatever, we're ready for it. And um, our, our network has maintained where we remain fluid, we're recurrent, um, not missing any pickups and, and uh, getting the job done. But that it, it's definitely, it, it, I mean, it's, they were the third largest LTL carrier in the country. So to, to think we're not going to feel it, everybody's going to feel it, especially the carriers, I think, that have a more national footprint, I'm sure that they're, feeling it a bit more than we are. But we're, we're trying to be responsible, take care of the existing customers, but also welcome some of the new business.
1: You know, I've, I've heard the tone, the temperature in the room changed a little bit since yellow went out. I, I think a lot of us saw that coming. There was uh they, they needed some help to stay afloat, yeah. but we're also in a market where spot rates are about 222. I yeah. just talked about fuel at the beginning of the show. It's 433 a gallon. There's a lot of pressure being put on carriers right now. What are you seeing? Is yellow just an anomaly or are we gonna see more of this bloodbath with carriers going under?
5: I would be surprised if there's much more in the LTL space yeah. because there certainly has been consolidation truckload. It has been a bloodbath and, and you know, you saw things were so good in, in uh, 2021, 2022. A lot of these guys went out and, and, you know, so many of the truckloads, as you well know, so many truckload fleets are one and two trucks. And so the people people entered it because of the rates that they were that they were able to capture. And, and then when the rates, the, the spot market collapsed, the guys are just aren't making it now. Um, we have our own. Averett's got five verticals, and one of which is is um, is our truckload vertical, and we've certainly have felt the effect of, of of lower rates than we might like, especially on the spot side, not as much on the contract side. But we just know freight's cyclical. I mean, uh, every, every boom side is, is, every boom cycle is followed by a down cycle, and we know we're in one right now. Although, without question on the LTL, this has definitely lifted us back to, to good, strong, positive growth again.
1: I was going to say, that has to be a good catalyst there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the it, more, it would be truckloads' luck, the dry van's luck that right. something like this would happen and they would get no impact at all. Yeah. But the story is, how much LTL do you all do over there?
5: Uh, it is our largest vertical. It's about probably 68% of our business. We do, um, well north of a billion, just LTL revenue alone, uh, in addition to the other verticals. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a big chunk of our business. It's often the way we get introduced to customers, and then we'll expand with our other fleets of services, which is our full truckload offering, our dedicated fleet. we got about 1,200 drivers do dedicated fleet, full truckload. Actually, part of the full truckload is a concert tour uh, division, all oh, yeah. tour logistics, so that's fun. <laughs> and then we have the average Distribution Fulfillment, which is uh, we run uh, warehouses all across the south and uh, all the port cities as well as a lot of the, the major metro distribution hubs. Uh, we can do distribution fulfillment for customers. And then last is our non-asset group, Averd Integrated. That's our, our brokerage division, our international group, and our, our TMS that we that we market.
1: What's the pain point this summer that your team is dealing with?
5: You know, uh, it, it was just softer business levels. We are a very driver-centric and associate-centric uh, company. It's, it's, it's a big part of our culture. Um, you know, our our, our, our Most recent president retired Wayne Spain after 41 years and we replaced him with Barry Blake. who has been there 38 years. So we're going to be all right. You know, we, 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 uh, we're, we're fairly consistent and, and we create this culture where we really do care about people. So anytime, um, when, when the, the, the business is down a bit, it bothers us when our folks aren't, you know, as, as fully employed as we'd like them to be. And we, but, but fortunately with, with the five verticals, we can share resources. So if we're down a little bit, in, in, uh, in truckload, we can pull some of those guys over into, into dedicated or into LTL, and, and we, can, we can look for opportunities to, to make sure that they, they have a, a good paycheck at the end of the week and they stay gainfully employed. But any time that, that we see that, that they're not getting the hours and the miles that we, we want, it's all hands on deck. We've got to fix that. We've got to fix it now.
1: What are you telling the LTL shippers out there that are having panic attacks? I mean, for example, there, there's a couple of LTL shippers I've heard. I mean, carriers that won't go to places like Am- so. It's not just yellow; like they won't yeah. go to Amazon anymore, or they won't go to this location. So you have people that are scrambling to pick up the pieces, and it's not just directly related to one major carrier going out. It impacts all of LTL.
5: Yeah, I think the industry is going to be fine. I think yeah. that the, the the overall capacity is there. It is a shock to the system. Uh, some carriers
1: capacity or not anymore.
5: I think it's I think this is about right-sized it. Yeah. I really do. Yeah I think that um, That some carriers uh, do tend to screw themselves down a little too tight And so when they get a surge of business like we've gotten it it, it, it can strain their network and you can start seeing some of these service challenges um but uh, but I, I think the industry will be just fine. I think the shippers will be just fine. I, I'm sure there's some, some some angst at night for some folks, uh, and they're having to move around. And hopefully not too many of them got their shipment stranded, you know, when, when Yellow did close their doors. Um, I, I think Yellow did do a pretty good job of winding that down. But, uh, yeah, the, the, I think the capacity is going to be about – the equilibrium is going to be about right.
1: Oh, I've been hearing as much about freight being stranded as people just like, I have this LTL trailer on my lot now. What, what do I do with it? I'm not sure where this thing goes. Well, how about, like, in general – do you think this will be a good peak season? Do you think drivers will be happy this peak season? Will you guys be happy this peak season? Well, you
5: know if you listen to the international guys and they're certainly the leading edge, um, there there really is no peak season that, yeah. as far as from what's come from over overseas. So that, you know one would think in the, in the in the full truckload side and the dre side of the business, it, it's probably going to be a bit muted. Um, but in LTL, because of the exit of the third largest player, it, it, I mean, I think it's going to be all hands on deck for the remainder of the year. And I'm hopeful that, um, that that the rest of the segments are going to pick up, and I think there are opportunities there for forward-thinking carriers to, you know, get out there and differentiate yourself with, with providing the best service in the business, that you can kind of create your own peak, if you will, but as far as just raw commerce, number of TEUs coming into the country and and a number of um, a full truckload shipments moving across the country It's probably gonna be fairly muted this year. And, and, and hopefully that 2024 will we'll see that next up cycle on the truckload side.
1: Well, as, as these other big guys fall down and uh, 50 years into it, you are still standing. Like, uh, why is that? How, what is what are you doing? Right.
5: I think it goes right back to the culture. Um, we we have you know, we're a small town based company and we, and we cherish those small town roots. Um, You know, all of us on the the leadership team, we're all 25, 30, 35, 40-year guys, and we care deeply about our associates, especially our drivers who who are the customer-facing contacts. We, never, we work hard to never lose sight of that. I think the other thing, in addition to the culture, which which we believe is unique, admittedly I'm a homer, you know, 36 years I'm, sure. I'm going to be. But but we think the other thing is providing this, this suite of services with these five verticals to our customers. And, and we may not be the best fit for a particular customer for whatever reason for the full truckload product, as an example, or maybe LTL. But one of the other ones likely can be. And where we find the most value is in... We can leverage that relationship, and we can get in there with multiple services because every we can share drivers, share equipment among verticals. And so, if you know, we get into a heavy vacation season, or some of our customers, they they definitely have a, a if they're the retailers, as an example, they will have a peak season. Where we can we can divert drivers and assets from
1: one of the other divisions, and get over there, and 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 never miss a beat. Now, you mentioned the culture. Does that like what's your turnover rate? Because we always decree that on yeah. here, we always yell about. You know, when people come with the driver's roads, we're like, well, this is also an industry with 100% turnover. Like, maybe if you focus on keeping some of your drivers and employees around, you wouldn't struggle as much.
5: The the statistic we are the most proud of is that 17% of our total associates, uh, we're almost 10,000 associates, have been with us 20 years or more.
1: That's significant. That's
5: significant. Yeah, that is significant. You know, certainly in the -the over-the-road truckload space, we do have more, but we're still well below half of the industry average i mean that that is just a tough job Um, but you know what we are doing which is unique we're actually going through a redesign of our of our truckload product to really maximize driver home time and we're using in in markets that have the density we're actually having uh, truckload drivers that are hourly based and they're the ones that are customer facing going out picking up and delivering the loads and and with the uh, the drivers that are running between facilities or or or, um, or drop lots or power centers Um, we're trying to do as much as we can to get them out and back at night or certainly home multiple times uh, during the week. We've always made sure we get our drivers home every single weekend without fail and with, with the, um, the uh, new initiatives we have, our goal is to get them home. If not every night, you know, multiple times during the week. Uh, again, we're very driver-centric, and um, we're going to we're going to keep doing all we can to do to do that. And we and we also believe we can improve service to the customers by doing so. I mean, when you've got this fleet of of, of hourly-based drivers around, there's no such thing as well. The drivers, you know, he ran out of hours 80 miles up the road. No, he's right yeah. here in town. And and you know, in the big market, there's, there's there's ten of them that can that can pick you up at a moment's notice. Uh, we, we've got a real high ratio of trailers to tractors, so our ability to spot and drop uh, equipment is really high. So um, I think just thinking, just trying to re engineer the company from the driver's perspective, obviously, and still run a profitable business, has, has served us well over the
1: years. Has the bad market sent a lot of drivers your way? Anecdotally, a lot of the drivers that I speak to, a lot have been complaining about the OO life, the leech purchase life right now, those bad rates. Some of them yeah, like that shelter yeah. of being a company guy now. I,
5: there's no question. Yeah, I, I think it is very difficult out there to make it on your own, and um, with, with the rates that exist. So, to come on board to a company that's got good benefits, treats you well, really cares about you, we've we've absolutely. Um, in fact, we're you know, there, there's there's no question. There's a driver shortage out there. But we do really well with being able to stay fully staffed in all of our
1: divisions. There's definitely a good driver shortage, and if Mm -hmm. you're keeping them on the ranch, they're probably some good teammates. How do people reach out to Everett, learn more, connect with you, and take advantage of your services? Yeah, uh,
5: AverettExpress.com or Averett.com. They both work. Um, Just would love to have you reach out via the website. Um, You can shoot me an email at kwilliams at Averett.com. Love to talk to anybody, whether they're looking for employment or, or prospective customers. We've got a lot going on over here, and it's, uh, the future is very, very bright.
1: Sure looks like it. Well, I don't have any shades for you, but I do have a brim on this hat, and that can keep some of that sun Absolutely. out of your eyes. Ken, thank you so All much right. for coming on the All show. Right. Well, I appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate your time Enjoyed today. Enjoy spending time with Take you. Take care. All right, thanks. Have a safe trip back to uh, Cokeville. All right, Tennessee. dinner. Thank, we'll thank you. to go check it out. All right. China, India, Korea, Vietnam, Belgium, the Czech Republic, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Switzerland, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Mexico. More than 2,700 AIT worldwide logistics supply chain experts are stationed in these countries and, of course, in offices across the United States. And in 2023, they're adding even more global locations as the organization strives to make it easier than ever for companies to ship between Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and North America. If you're ready to create a shipping program as unique as your business, as unique as yourself, you can learn more at AITWorldwide.com. All right. Elsewhere. Look at this guy. This is, when, this, is, this is when Markel over here is trying to trying to speed out the lot and he just can't get some traction because it just it just right. This lizard can't get he's gotta use his belly, but he's on the marble floor and it just won't happen. But look at this. Look, now he's back on the surface. Good guy. Speaking of lizards, man, we got Markel McLeod. I know him as Kel Boogie. What is up, man? You look great in person.
3: I appreciate oh, we, the compliment, man.
1: <laughs> you think you
3: can move like that lizard? Nah, nah, nah. I don't think I'm agile like that. I don't think I can move like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nah, you'll let those ones stay in the parking lot, man. Well, introduce yourself, people who may not have met you before. I think this is your first time on the show.
3: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm Marco McLeod. McLeod. Run a small uh, trucking company, family-owned. Been in business probably, uh, I think, going on um, 18, I want to say 18 years. Um, I took over kind of the operations side. So um, yeah, that's that's pretty much in a nutshell, we're in a niche area. So uh, I was, you know, watching, listening when you guys talking about, you know, spot market rates and I see that and it's just not something I'm used to. I never even had to look at a low board <laughs> we're so in a how- niche market uh, uh, hauling bulk cement, um, uh, cement, slack, flash, and uh, that's pretty much a niche area. And I, I love it for that fact that it's a niche area, very unique.
1: How did you guys get into cement? I think that if I understand correctly, this is a family-run business, is it not? Did did your parents run a trucking company?
3: Yeah, my dad, he's, um, coincidentally enough, um, my dad used to drive for UPS, and I always wanted a UPS uniform, Um, so he- Those are looking pretty good right
1: now, Mark. (laughs) Those are looking, (laughs) those blue, man, that's, that's, uh, you got to change the dating profile I hear.
3: (laughs) yeah um uh but yeah my dad he he started the trucking company he started off with dump trucks and then he um you know went over the road for a little while um back in like two thousand eight so uh we've seen a lot as a family in the trucking industry, and he's seen a lot just being the driver and then he pretty much came off the road probably uh when I was like in middle or high school, and he ended up landing in that niche area where he's been uh ever since we've been servicing the same customer now. Uh, I believe probably for like eleven years now.
1: Oh wow, you guys are in good. You guys are in really good.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: How does the cement game work? How does Holland cement work?
3: Um, uh, people. We have bulk tankers, and a lot of times when uh, guys do call and uh, reach out for employment, um, a lot of people think you uh, need your tankers uh, endorsements. If you actually don't. Uh, like I said, it's definitely a niche area. Um, pretty much, uh, we, our customer right now, uh, one of our main customers is Monumental Concrete. Um, also Cheney Enterprises is, uh, it's a DMV based company. So if you look those companies up, uh, you'll be real familiar with them. Um, pretty much, you know, it's like I said, it's, uh, ongoing relationship. They pretty much call, let us know what loads they need, where they need to get it from. And, and we get it to them safely and efficiently. How many trucks do you guys have two, you said? Yeah, we have two. Um, typically we go between two to three drivers um we did we still experience a, a slow season, kind of like um you know the industry and and all uh I've talked to guys um you know, my dad's friends and his resources that you know now inherently are mine um talk to them, and they say the same thing this has been the slowest they've seen it, and these guys have been in it, you know skinning the game twenty thirty years, and it's the slowest it's ever been. so pretty much right now, I like to keep it at two drivers, just like uh, the gentleman you had on before, uh, I like to think of it as driving eccentric. When people got into this, get into this industry, the first thing they think about is the money they can make. But my main thing is my guys can hit their goals, financial goals every week that I set for them, uh, that I you know initially promised that they would get. Then you know the company runs good. So even when we get those slow periods, um, I have no problem. We go into you know go into our profits and make sure that those guys are good because in what the is- long run. Take care. Take care of your drivers; they take care of you.
1: What does slow mean to you? Like, what? What? How many like truckloads were you initially running? And and what does a slowdown mean?
3: Slowdown for us, uh, say like like two two weeks ago, um, probably had like six loads, and we're pretty much used to doing two to three loads a day. So it's like you know, it's like almost twelve to fifteen loads a week. So slow week for us was six loads, and you know, and I always you know make sure that that uh, that our driver knows he's been with us. His- almost going on three years now so you are talking about turnover rate that's three years with a small company uh that's something to hang your hat on there and um it, when we hit those slow periods i make sure that you know that you know i are still gonna make sure you're good
1: how do you attract drivers at a small company like yours
3: um at first starting out it was definitely uh when i got into it, it was definitely difficult um everybody i feel like everybody goes into it you start off that 1099 thing but uh, especially the, the kid, the, uh, the guy with us now, he's been with us since that. And just to see the progression, um, you, you try, I open, try to have an open line of communication. Uh, I think that's very important. Um, these guys are out there risking their life hauling 80,000 pounds up and down the highway um, every day, very dangerous job. Um, just, just trying to be understanding. Because uh, me personally, I, I don't grab gears, as my dad would say. Um, I don't have a CDL. So some of these things I can't firsthand experience. But I just try to put myself in people's shoes and uh, try to be empathetic to anything that people might have going on. One of the things we did do uh, that kind of got the phone ringing um, when we purchased our own tanker, and uh, uh, it was bulk tankers is kind of unheard of. You put the, of course, you see the drivers want it on the drive in, but I put like the drivers want it on the bulk tanker, and that pretty much got the phone ringing. Craigslist is probably for a small business tell people all the time trucking Craigslist is probably still the best thing I think uh to you know to get drivers because indeed just for a small company it's so expensive I would get pay like three hundred dollars for five people and then uh-huh. it'll be people with without CDLs.
1: <laughs> I whenever I use those like zip recruiter anytime I try to find a job through one of those things like from just the user experience I can't even imagine the owner experience the user experience I just feel like I'm sending things off into like the ether, like I have no it's, idea who even sees it, where is it goes. When I was hiring people over here about a year and a half ago, I and they were useless. I instead I just went with the resumes that I yeah, got from you, like people you, you on didn't Twitter. Pick up
3: my, uh, you didn't pick up my app when I applied. <laughs> I didn't pick up your what? My application. You didn't, I didn't get hired when I applied.
1: Oh man, well, we'll have to get you on, on the next round. Well, let me ask you something. How do you uh when, when you see business slowing down? You're looking at the operations. This, how do you stay smart? How do you start running the company smart?
3: Um, with with all big businesses, like um, every business does did did it. We seen it, and with a lot of tech companies, you start to you think about layoffs. That's the first thing uh, sometimes that people start to do. You just try to get smarter with your uh, with your spending on you know on you shop around rate like insurance is coming up. Make sure you're shopping around for better insurance. Making sure you're doing um. You know, doing different things to stay on top of your toes rather than stay ahead. So that way, if hard times do come, you're not, you know, it doesn't catch you by surprise.
1: Smart move. Well, hey, who should reach out to you today? Who do you want to uh, to contact you?
3: Um, a- Anybody, man. Anybody interested in trucking, small business, um, small business looking to start up. You know, uh, my Twitter handles right there. I'm pretty open uh, on answering people's questions. Uh, I always tell people out, out the gate, um, as, as you know, this this is a, a cut, I wouldn't say cutthroat, but this is a tough business. Um, I feel like if you can run a trucking business, man, uh, you can run any business. Uh, I'm trying to call Elon tell him to make me COO. <laughs> Ooh,
1: maybe he can put you in the cage. You want to get on the under, who do you want to fight in Freight? Who can we put you
3: on the undercard with? In Freight? Ah, oh, man, that's that's a tough one. Like I said, these, <laughs> these guys are different out there, man. <laughs> I stand behind the computer. <laughs> yeah, you don't know how hard one of those voices is going to hit, right? I <laughs> mean, they're pulling yeah. the glad hands and
1: stuff. We're getting we're, we're keys over here. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, Kelly, hey, thank you so much. Go check out Kel Boogie underscore over on Twitter, and I reach out to him at his company. Hey, thanks for taking us inside your worlds a little bit, man. I appreciate it
3: today. Appreciate that, man. See you on Twitter, man. Thank you. Take, take it easy.
1: All right. And next, our next guest, Aaron Peck, founder and CEO over at Mothership. Aaron, I read this from Curtis Garrett. He tweeted this on August 8th, and I thought of you. He said, "Saya LTL carrier is no longer going to make deliveries at Amazon. I was informed today. All sorts of bullets flying around in a post-LTL world. It's a good time to have you on the show.
2: How are you doing? Um...
1: Yeah, isn't that crazy, right? An LTL carrier starting to tell
2: you that they're not going to be making pickups anymore and I think this is this is true for a lot of um folks looking to find another provider now that, you know, their main provider in many cases yellow is gone. And you know, you're looking for uh someone to come save the day and pick up the freight and basically every LTL carrier's tell or a lot of them are telling you, "Hey, sorry, we're at capacity. We just can't do it right now." I think that's a We live in a very interesting time heading into peak season and having a hundred-year-old carrier with tens of thousands of employees that a lot of folks relied on um, just go up in smoke. It's super disruptive uh, to the the industry.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to see this as a boon for LTL, but at the moment, it's just kind of a hellscape for you. If you're a shipper or you these carriers because they have to make this decision on both ends you got to see some people are like oh the ltls are jerks is a jerk for not doing their pickups but look first and foremost they have to defend the customers that are within their network but how are you advising people that are kind of stuck in between these network battles
5: well
2: you know look so i have been a big shipper myself before and i will say that it is a good time to pick up new customers. You certainly have to hold up the promises uh, to your current customers. But I will say if you step in and save the day, um for someone today that was a prior yellow customer they will remember that and um in the future they will reward your company and increase the value of that company and so i think it makes a lot of sense for these carriers to try and figure out how they can both service this uh you know all this incoming volume and also take care of their customers but look their networks aren't built to have that kind of flexibility right they own these trucks they employ these drivers they only have a certain number of terminals it's a super complex business that i have a ton of respect for by the way um but but they don't have the flexibility for that and so i think that they're going to face you know, a bit of a tough decision here where they're going to have to say, look, we either are going to shut new customers out entirely or some of our current customers that are lower value to us. And we're just going to service uh, the customers that we think really matter on a dollar's basis, or they're going to say, look, we're going to try and take on everything, but we're going to sacrifice network quality. I think both of those decisions are really, really tough ones, but look, there is a third door and, and, you know, um, companies like ours are helping with that right and so you know Mothership is currently working with a several LTL carriers I would say some of the best ones who have said look we are going to utilize Mothership's flexibility to do our pickups and deliveries into our terminals where we don't have capacity but we can make the line hauls and we're going to keep our promises to our current customers we're going to do both And at the end of the day, I think that's going to pay off huge. Um, You know, we service customers and we service 37 markets with 28,000 trucks. We have the capacity. And so if they're not doing it, it's just because they haven't um, said, look, we're going to go to an outside solution like Mothership and just and, and leverage that help. You know, maybe there's a little bit of ego there. Maybe there's a little bit of pride or maybe they're slower moving than their peers. But I will tell you, there are several. Um, high-quality LTL companies out there that have chosen this route, and we are super excited to be partnering with them.
1: So I'm a shipper. I'm standing in this room of decisions, my decision room, and I'm looking at door A, door B, and door C, that third door. What happens when I knock on that third door? How do you help me? <laughs> well, not the shipper,
2: right? And and by the way, Mothership does do first and last mile deliveries uh, directly you know, for customers, right? But we are also deploying that first and last mile network network to help the ltl carriers so yeah. if you're a top tier ltl carrier and you're looking to grow your business and and you're looking to also keep those promises to your current customers you would come to us and say look we need excess capacity and xyz market can you help us and we would we would immediately deploy our network to your customers to your network to help your terminals the next day and we could do that across 37 markets for any of these carriers all they have to do is ask and the economics make sense um and you know it can be a win-win but it, it it is gonna take some forward thinking some stepping outside the box you, you simply you know um cannot do things the old-fashioned way this market has changed dramatically in this past couple of weeks with peak season and yellow you have to think outside the box um and i think door three is the only option um i
1: think the other folks get left behind quite honestly so I'm an LTL. I need this triage, right? I'm like, up. Oh, we got problems. We've identified it. What are some? What is some of this outside the box thinking I could do with someone like you to to help fill these gaps in and make sure these deliveries are happening? And I can do what everyone wants to do. It would be a shame, right? It would be a shame, Aaron, to not pick up market share right now.
2: Yeah, 100. Yeah, and you'd be surprised at the the that some folks just can't figure out how to do it. Um. Yo, what you would do is you would take the carriers that you do have, the drivers that you do have, and you would say, look, we're gonna start running line hauls with them instead. We're gonna double the amount of line hauls so that we have more line haul throughput. We're gonna take some of the the carriers, we're gonna put them on the dock and they're gonna load some of the trailers, right? You're gonna keep everyone working, you're gonna maximize all your vehicles. And they're gonna say, once that's maxed out, how can we leverage mothership and mothership drivers to do P and D? We don't do any line haul. And I think the LTL carriers and their terminal setups are incredible for it. So you optimize around, this um, this thing you're really good at, that everyone in your company understands how it works and how to run it. Um, and you get more throughput, again, terminal to terminal, utilize all those folks in different ways. And then you let mothership do the P and D operations um, to which there's no limit, right? 28,000 trucks would make us, you know, one of the largest carriers in the country by far. And so you're basically putting a carrier on top of another carrier and everything we do is same day. And so we don't need to know about the pickups and deliveries until the very morning they're going to be delivered, which is advantageous for them because they can have the trap trailer there, unload it, you know, early in the morning and say, hey, like, you know, we need to make these deliveries right now. We just figured out what they are. And then they can roll those throughout the day. So if they said, no, we're going to do it again, we're going to do another phase of deliveries at 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. We do those too. Typically the carriers stop making deliveries at that time. We can keep it going. So there is an opportunity for the the, the best carriers here that I think think outside of the box to, to get this done. And, and we're there to help. And like I said, we're already working with a handful of them. And we have been for a couple of years now. And I think if you look, and I can't say who, but if you look at the markets, they're the best performing ones right the the ones that are gaining market share that are performing better um in the market that are growing their market cap and so i think they'll continue to do that so we're delighted at the partnership
1: now the smart companies already started or put plans in place to start moving freight from yellow In June. We're now at August 15th. The company's officially been bankrupt for a little over a week now. Uh, Known bankrupt for at least two weeks now. What is the opportunity and how long is this going to last for LTL carriers to pick up this market share and roll it into their book of business?
2: How long is it going to last? You know, that. That's a tough one. I think it lasts clearly through peak season. I think you see a lot of fallout. You know, a lot of the effects that we saw in COVID where people were struggling, just the companies were struggling to deliver things on time. I mean, you're just gonna see that again. It's interesting, right? Cause we were just getting to a point to where there wasn't a lot of freight moving. And so all the networks on time performance started to go up again and things felt great. And I think now you're gonna be right back smack in the middle of that. Where is my freight? What's going on? And there's gonna be a ton of excuses and they're gonna be legitimate ones. They're gonna say, look We don't have the infrastructure for this kind of volume to come in. So I think you're going to see it at at least through peak. And I would just say this. I think that you can look around the industry and you can see some more of this coming down the pipe, right? Maybe it's not this year, but it certainly is in the next 36 months. This is not, this is just not the last carrier, right? I think you will see um, the union impact
1: more carriers. Um, That's just going to be the truth. Now, is it scary to work with a union carrier right now? Is that existential dread out there or shippers thinking that way? Well, look, I mean,
2: I think if you're a customer, you ought to think this, like the, the way companies work, you know, the way, the way you take care of your employees and you get money is by servicing customers in an incredible way. You start with the customers, right? And that If you give customers incredible service at a fair price and you continue to do that better and better over time, the customers reward you with loyalty and with their money. And when they do that, the company becomes more valuable and then the company can take that money and reward their best performing employees and so on and so forth. And so it's a cycle where you create a better machine over time. But that's not necessarily what the union incentivizes the carriers to do. And so over time, what you see is the unionized carriers, the service actually degrades and you have customers coming off of those and going to carriers that are doing it the other way. Um, And so I do think, yes, if you want a customer uh, if you're a customer and you want the carrier to be 100% focused on servicing you and no one else, then you're gonna want folks that aren't living under bureaucracy and red tape. And so you're gonna want those folks that are trying to build a cycle of a more valuable premium company over time that are optimizing around you. And because of your loyalty and because you're coming there and shipping with them, they're then using that money to build a better company and take care of their employees and increase the market cap of the company. And which by the way, many of these employees, and sometimes you know, most of them have shares in the company. And so, what better way to you know to grow the value of of, of basically everyone, um, but to grow the value of the company, right? And so, I think uh, you're not seeing that in other places. And so, yeah, if I'm a shipper, um, am I choosing to ship my freight on a Union Carrier? Probably not. By the way, you know this comes from someone whose father was a Union iron worker all my life, and I have incredible respect for the workers in the yellow case, which I think many times the workers get caught in a rock and a hard place between a overreaching union and a really poorly run company. And and they bear the brunt of it. The, the folks that are, uh, you know, uh, are, are least able to bear the brunt of it end up bearing the brunt of it. So I have a ton of respect for the hardworking people that do these jobs. Um, but, I but you know, I, I'm a shipper, I'm shipping with someone that doesn't have the red tape that's focused on me as the customer. They have no other, you know, they serve me. I am the customer and that's all they're in service to. Um, and so I'd be focusing my freight around those companies for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Yellow and the Teamsters Union there, I mean, at least in that instance, you have a pair of losers. I mean, bo- both people lost, neither got what they want. The companies out of business, end of story. I mean, that's, that's, just not, that's just not a win. What are, for shippers out there looking but, for red flags, like in what are, what are your red flags? How do you flag a carrier? What makes them get blacklisted from, uh, from Mothership? <laughs> well, well, look, I mean, are you talking about, uh, you know, L- our own
2: carriers? Look, you know, carriers on our net- network in general, you know, when we're looking for carriers, we're obviously looking for top tier carriers that yeah. are, you know, um, delivering on top. Look, you know, this is actually kind of a really cool point you know, we do things like track on time percentages in real time. We know if the customers are satisfied with that carrier. We know if they're running their route on time, et cetera, collecting the right signatures. We know if they're damaging freight higher than the rest of the network. And because again, we're not stuck in a bureaucracy with red tape, whatever. um, We reward the best performing drivers with more customers freight and the worst performing ones. Well, they just come off the network right away. Right. And there's no red tape. We're not going to go ask anyone, hey, can we fire this person and and, you know, sign a bunch of paperwork. These are all independent carriers. And so really, you know, their whole business, um, you know, uh, their whole livelihood depends on how well they perform. And that's how it should be. And then what you see from them is just this incredible performance, this super high quality um. You know they're living the American dream. You know they bought this truck. They're supporting their family. They're trying to grow that business, and that shines through in the customer experience in a way that it probably wouldn't in many cases with the company driver. Now that said, you know I I've interfaced with a ton of yellow drivers and 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 all types of folks in the LTL world, and some of them have been absolutely delightful, super respectful, crazy hardworking. Um, and so, like I said, a ton of respect for those folks. I think there are. Um, a, a, a bunch of really top performers that end up in these systems, in these unions, whatever, um, that ought to be getting, you know, more money for their performance, that ought to be getting celebrated, and they're just not. They're commoditized, and they're just leveled out with the rest of the folks, and I think that that's not fair. That performance should be rewarded, and in our network, it is, and so that means that the customer uh, receives incredible quality and the carrier is taken care of in a really great way, and that's what we aim to do.
1: Now, Aaron, before I let you go, what what's good coming out at Mothership? What should people go check out after the show? <laughs> uh, look,
2: you know, we are you know we're still doing our. Uh, I think what's good is that we still do this incredible same day service and that our standard is same day. No, but look, you know, customers can get instant real time tracking, uh, instant deliveries. They can share that tracking. um, And it's all at an incredible price across 37 markets. So you get same day delivery at scale with a click of a button and an incredible kind of consumer level um, software to use. It doesn't feel like enterprise software, right? It feels delightful. It's like using your Apple TV. And so it's a game changing experience for these people that I think are left in this enterprise cruft. Um, and they're used to how freight, you know, has typically worked. And I think it's just refreshing. And so, uh, yeah, I would, I would suggest, uh, you know, people give us a look at mothership.com and, and, um, you know, again, we're happy to help these LTL carriers, uh, keep, you know, their, the on-time promises to their customers. And, uh, we're going to keep doing a ton of that. And, um, you know, just, uh, hearts out to all the folks that were affected by this yellow thing. It's just terrible. And, uh, you know, hopefully this peak season is a rip and, you know, everyone finds a place at another carrier and gets back in the seat and back on the saddle. But, um, yeah, heart's out to all you guys, but hardworking folks, you're going to get it done. We're going to need you again. So, um, very cool. And i stay Aaron. with it. Thanks Aaron. Thank Absolutely. you for stopping by the
1: show today. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. My pleasure, man. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. I, you know, I, I didn't even mention, I didn't even mention 99 with an anchor this time. I didn't, I didn't mention the, the band. But if he does play at that that emo fest in Vegas, I might have to go down there with him.
0: All right, let's learn a few things before we leave the show today. Here's a few things you
1: might not know. Things about a people
0: might not know about semis. I'm gonna show you guys a few things that you might not know if you don't drive semis. Did you know the cab of our truck is actually on airbags? It pivots up there, and it rides on these airbags with a shock. It helps to smooth the ride out when we're going down the road. Also, most modern trucks are now airbag suspension. They either have the big bags like these or the little half-size ones. Or some highway trucks have the leaf air. It's like a leaf spring with an airbag. How do the airbags stay level? Well, most trucks have an air leveling valve. This little valve right here automatically inflates and deflates the bags to keep them at a certain ride height. I may have two. I do have two. That's because I have two different modes for standard height and raised height. Some trucks have air cleaners on the outside of the truck. Most trucks hold between two and 300 gallons of fuel. I've got disc brakes just like most modern cars. These are called glad hands. These are called glad hands. They connect to the trailer to provide air for brakes and umbilical power right there. This is the one that releases the brakes. And this is the one that applies the brakes. And there's my air tank.
1: Cool stuff. Did you know about those airbag suspensions? Rachel got to learn all about them when she was in Alaska member. We heard from her. She was like, oh, I'm still beat up. I haven't asked her how she's walking this week. She's probably not as sore. She's young. She's, she'll recover. She'll rec- it's like when you get over 40 and you take these long trips when it's just like just sticks with you for like a month. You know, Taylor Swift is not the only tour we cover here on What The Truck, Metallica is on tour as well. Unfortunately, they had a little accident on the road. Take a look at this tape right here. The Rock Revival reports trucks hauling gear from Metallica's current tour were reportedly involved in a major accident on Tuesday, that was August 8th. The trucks were en route to State Olympic in Montreal, Canada from East Rutherford, New Jersey, when um, it got into this little wreck over here. There were reportedly no injuries, though, according to a social media post by John Kish. It doesn't clear how much damage was done or was inflicted upon the band's equipment, but none of the band members were involved in this incident. The, court, the tour company said some brackets for moving lights were destroyed. They rented follow spots from Solo Tech. Everything is up and ready. Unfortunately, these were not my friends over at Showmotion. I asked Mike over there. It's actually an upstage truck that had got into this accident here. Ryan brings this back a little bit. He said, that's how Cliff Burton, their original bases, died when they wrecked over in Europe. Thankfully, no injuries this time. I think we'd all agree with that. Jeff says, as a, call, as a car hauler, this really hits close to home. Glad everyone was okay, for sure. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Good on you. Don't need that creeping death coming on. And Good point by Ryan to bring back that Cliff Burton thing. It hits a little closer to home when you're Talking about Metallica. Um, let's look at a little excellence right now. Let's look at a little forklift. Excellence in action. Look at this guy. Can he make it in there? Mark thinks so. Mark knows this guy. Mark says this guy is a legend. We'll see about that, Mark. He's got it. He knows it's there. The only danger was uh, the way up. But look at this. Nice turn in. Didn't have to do a blindside back. Turns it right around. Kamal Kumar. If you have the skills, nothing is impossible. Chief boss, I need to hire this driver as soon as possible. Tank, this driver is a PhD in physics. Agree? Keep that agree stuff on LinkedIn. Lars Hansen, I've done that with a 40-foot container. Ooh, where's that clip? Send that to me. I'll play that one. Primo says, I can pick up a quarter off the ground with a forklift. And someone under him says, P.S. Can any of you out here pick up a quarter with a forklift? My warehouse crew? Warehouse listeners, you can. Email me, tdooner, at freightwaves.com. Nutraplanet, after I do my PhD, I want a, I want a forklift license. you got to play a little Breath of the Wild, a little Tears of the Kingdom. That'll get you up to speed on the physics. I like what he's doing there. All right, now before we send you home for the day, actually, let me mention something before I, I play this one. Maui, haven't mentioned Maui on the show, still a big issue over there. I know uh, Joey said he didn't have a comment about it, but I do. Please help out if you saw Friday's show. Monica Thornton from SeaWide Express. SeaWide Express is putting together an airlift and a sea lift relief for over in the area. You can help too. Also, check out Miami Food Bank and a couple other things. The death toll keeps going up on there as the fires keep raging. All right, let's look at a forklift fail. You guys driving down the road here, crosses the intersection. And a forklift rolls right out the back, and this driver has no clue. The guy whose dash cams it on is beeping, though. Incognito Mike says, Well, this goes back to my theory of get what you pay for. Remember? We, just a bunch of dumb truck drivers, and it shows sometimes. Now, here's a crazy idea. Go with me. How about we train them like professionals, pay them like professionals, and retain them like professionals? Exploding Possum. I watched a guy pull from the dock, make to the security gate with the forklift, driver still in the trailer. This is a team drive now, trying to get the guy's attention to stop and back in again, but he kept going. Common problem. I used to open boxes when I was at Talbots. So I'd have to open, um, like, sweaters and, like, boxes of dresses and stuff that would come in. And you it, it was surprising how often you would find, like, a box cutter or someone's employee badge from, like, a factory. Over in China, inside one of those things. Easy to forget stuff in this business. NFL insider Big Ch- Big Chef says, One of my worst fears, the green light not being accurate. You just take off down the road, you got that guy with you. Mike18wheels, even when I had a green light, I look underneath at the door to make sure the dock plate is down and not in the trailer before I even move an inch. Jeff, okay, I'm not going to say anything bad about the actions of someone else because I've had my fair share of what the F Jeff moments, but damn, how do you just drive off without securing your damn doors? That's all. Mr. Chips, (laughs) guess what? If the light's green and the glass hand is free, I'm a bounce. Note, there was no operator on that lift truck. Mr. Chips also says, seriously, I'd be more concerned with the driver making sure his doors were closed for any general freight, not even having a forklift back there. And Glenn says, you never forget your first ride in a box, in a dry box on a forklift. After that, you double and triple check the dock lock. And Jeff Dickinson said, unfortunately, I saw this happen with a forklift driver at the dock. The truck driver pulled away while the forklift driver was coming out of the trailer and he hit the pavement hard. He had a compressed spine from the injuries. That's why I'm a big advocate for airline brake locks and chocks and that power unit is unhooked and an emergency cone is put at the nose of the trailer. I've seen some wicked crap over the decades. I would not want to be in the traffic manager's shoes when this call comes in. So much hate. All right, everybody, let's look at a truck versus a train right now. I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories. Do we have the train? Did I not put that one? Truck versus train. We got it. We don't. I might have to show it Wednesday. Black conspiracy theories about trucks hitting trains, but I got a good angle on how this usually happens. I thought I'd put it in the rundown, but maybe not. So, hey, something for Wednesday. We're almost out of time anyway. Now, you're right. I didn't get that in there. I'll get that in there Wednesday. I'll just put a reminder myself. In the meantime, here's a reminder to you. Follow me on Twitter, at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Follow the show at FW What the Truck on TikTok and everywhere. You can find the video version of the show on FreightWaves YouTube. You can find the rest of this uh, wherever you get your podcast. Take care and don't be a stranger.